our final sermon before we enter into the season of Lent from our uh, sermon series that is concluding um, New Year, Same Mission. The idea behind the sermon series was to highlight our church mission statement and to help us live deeper into it by focusing on it. And our uh, church mission statement is to cultivate more disciples and deeper disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of our community and the world. And so today's final word is world. We go to the Gospel of John. It's chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only son, who was close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. God, we all come here this morning for a variety of different reasons. Whatever has brought us here, God, we pray that this experience would be fruitful for us, transformative even. And in this preaching moment, we pray that we can hear with clarity what it is that you would have us to hear so that we can grow closer to you and live further into our calling as your people. May your preacher be nothing more than just a vessel, an instrument of your grace. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Words create worlds. 
Have you ever heard that before? Some of us have. A couple affirmatives. Words create worlds. It began as kind of a, a philosophical meandering, and then it's been picked up in more recent history by other disciplines that depend upon language a great deal, such as therapy and, and counseling, uh, coaching, teaching. The idea behind words create worlds is that what you say matters. The words that you speak have a real bearing on how others perceive the world. For example, if I'm constantly telling my dog Otis that he is a bad boy, there comes a point in time in which Otis can only see himself as bad. A world has been created for Otis in which he cannot be good. Conversely, if I constantly tell Otis that he is a good boy as pieces of leather furniture hang from his teeth, <clears throat> he is going to think that no matter what, he is always a good boy. A world has been created for Otis in which he cannot be bad. Words create worlds. Theologically speaking, this statement holds true. Remember in Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God said, let there be this, and let there be that, and let there be that, and this. And through the utterance of words, the world takes shape. And then we see in John 1, which is very much a retelling of Genesis 1, that not only do words create worlds, but it is the actual word that creates worlds. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and all things came into being through him, that is, through him that is the word. And without him, not one thing came into being. And what has come into being in him was life. And that life was the light of all people. In the beginning, the world is spoken forth, not just by words, but by the word. So who is this word? The word was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. From the word from whom all things came into being through, from the word who became flesh, we have been given the power to be the children of God and from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Who is this word? 
Jesus, Yeshua, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Word. I'm a bit troubled by something, though, knowing that words create worlds, and indeed the world came into being through the Word, why is it that we must talk about the world in such a negative sense? You know what I'm saying? There's always been this dichotomy in Christian teaching between things of the world and things of God. And even scripture at times does caution us against worldliness. However, with that said, if God only creates good things, as Genesis 1 tells us, and if the world is one of those good things, then why do we always talk so negatively about it? This has been especially prominent in American uh, Christianity in the last 200 years or so. The thing is framed this way. Uh, the world is bad. God is good. Stay away from the world, even though you're in it, and stay close to God. Well, that would be all well and good, except for the fact that God, the Word, made the world and made it good. If we constantly talk about the world and the things of the world as bad, then what kind of world are our words creating for ourselves, for our children, for our children's children, for those who will inherit this very faith that we profess in the Word made flesh. If it is nothing but bad dog, bad dog, bad dog, I mean, sorry, I'm so used to saying that. If it's nothing but bad world, bad world, bad world, then that becomes all we are able to see. That becomes all we are able to project. And then all we will want to do and all we will encourage others to do is escape this world faster than an Elon Musk rocket. And that is not what God intended. That is not what God intends. If it were what God intended, then God would not have gone through the trouble and the process of speaking it all into existence in the first place. Look, I get that the world is a mess. And I know by saying that, I am creating a world in which you may think of the world only as a mess. But hear me out. The dog who has bad boy tendencies may occasionally make a mess. And because of that reality, someone other than the dog who has bad tendencies needs to come in and make the mess go away so that the dog can have a shot at being a good boy again. The Word has precisely done this for us. With our bad, sinful tendencies, 
by becoming flesh. The word has entered into our mess to straighten up our mess so that we may have an opportunity to be good again. And because of the word's action in doing so, we are given the power to be called the children of God, and we have been blessed with grace upon grace. So here is the tricky part, the part that we need to be reminded of the most. If we feel as if the, word, the world is bad and or a mess, then maybe there is a great bearing on us as the children of God who have been blessed with grace upon grace to do something. You see, God has already done God's part for the world in the creating of it all and in the redeeming of it all. And God will once, do, once again do God's part in the restoration of it all. But in the meantime, it is our responsibility to act as good children and to clean up the messes and to prevent further mess with the Spirit's help, of course. God has done God's part. It is up to us to do our part in response. And if we truly believe what John 1 proclaims, then we cannot help but to be compelled to respond as God's children, trying to do good with the grace upon grace that we have received. And in our responses, we do not have to do all the things. We cannot do all the things. But we need to do some things, as the Spirit calls. And the Spirit is calling for the cultivation of more disciples and deeper disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the community and the world, the good world. The good world brought forth into existence by the word of God. So will you answer? Are you compelled to respond? If so, then do it. We will find some place or, or some way for you to respond to what God has done for you. And if you currently do not feel compelled, keep coming back. There is a lot more cultivating and deepening and transformation to be done. And we are going to do it. We can't help but to do it. Because of the one who has spoken and called us to. So thanks be to God for the word of God. The word made flesh, the author and perfecter of life, the one who speaks, the one who calls, the savior of the world. What do you say? Amen. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your voice. 
the way in which it creates, cultivates, and calls. Help us to respond as you would have us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. The Word. Amen.